Hello, and welcome to the first episode of The City Speaks of 2023. I think it's episode 13. I'm your host, as always, Spark City, and today we're going to be talking about a little something that I like to call the gold rush principle, which is something that I've sort of been turning over my head for a while. Um, And it's essentially, if you think about what a gold rush is, you can sort of see parallels in the way that people act with other situations as well and see similarities. So let's start off by, you know, sort of explaining what my take on a gold rush is, I guess. Um, So it comes in phases and it's a somewhat predictable pattern. Um, Phase one would be, you know, you have somebody who's a career prospector who's searching for minerals and, and strikes gold, right? They're out there because it's their job and it's something they hopefully like to do. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's hobbyist, but they're interested in prospecting for some reason or another. When you think of like, you know, the late 19th century, early 20th century gold rushes, it's usually gold is being discovered by the quote unquote professionals, right? As much as you can be, or as much as we were back then. I don't know how much geological information people were going on when they were prospecting, but hey. Um, And so with that, you can sort of see similar developments in a lot of different areas. I'm going to be talking about streaming today because that's the only thing I do with my life. So, you know, yeah. Um, But I mean, you could definitely draw parallels with music and uh, film, you know, acting and and all that stuff, even art probably, I'm sure, um, this sort of migration of population. So most people aren't going to be out on the frontier, you know, looking for gold because, A, most of us don't really have any idea how to do it. I certainly don't. I couldn't find gold if you stuck me in a jewelry store. But, well, anyway. And the same thing can kind of be said of streaming. Um, so streaming started off and, and nobody wanted to do it. Really, when the technology was out, there were people who wanted to, but for the most part, most people had these sort of mentality of like well why would you why would anybody want to watch anybody else play video games i mean this is a bit of a straw man but and and older folks still think like this you know even now i've had to explain this numerous times and you can kind of imagine the hilarity of like a 12 year old coming out of his room to show them something cool that somebody did on a video game and you know it's a sunday afternoon and their dad's in the in the recliner in front of the tv and he's like why would you want to watch somebody play a video game like just go play it yourself like it's so obvious you know and then he goes back to watching football but that sort of mentality has faded out of a lot of, you know, millennials and Gen Zers because we now know, obviously, 10 years, 15 years on from the onset of streaming, we now know that it's a massive industry. Um, but at the time, we didn't. And so a lot of people won't try things unless it's already been proven to be successful, which is sort of the basis of the gold rush principle is no, not a lot of people are crazy enough to go into the frontier and pan for gold or dig for gold or whatever you want to say. And similarly, when Ustream.tv and Justin TV and Owned.tv were all in circulation and the tech for streaming was being developed, it was mostly used, in, at least in my recollection, by YouTubers who were looking to, you know, sort of say like, here, this is the stuff that ends up on YouTube. Come watch me do it live. And, you know, I don't think anybody was doing it at the time because they were like, this is going to be the next big thing. I'm going to work for Amazon one day, you know. Um, and so those people were kind of in the, in a similar sense, obviously a little bit less personal risk to their physical body, but in a similar sense, they were kind of pioneers out on the frontier. Then phase two of the gold rush happens, right? So somebody strikes gold, metaphorically or literally, let's go literally in this sense, and they start making money and it starts becoming very lucrative. A large chunk of people, for whatever, for I'm sure a, a, a kaleidoscope of reasons, look at that and go, oh, you can make money doing that. And they want to try it and they want to, to coin a phrase, try their luck on it. Um, and that was an expression that was used, you know, at least connectedly with the gold rush, gold rushes of yore. You know, I'm going to go try my luck out in the Klondike or I'm going to go try my luck out in San Francisco. 
there's gold out there. Maybe I'll find something, stake my claim, get set up. And, you know, and I think in a lot of cases, and so let's draw, uh, before I jump ahead of myself here, let's draw a conclusion or let's draw a parallel rather with streaming. Streaming was a similar thing. People started making money off this. Usually it was based on how good they were at a video game. The early, the earliest successful streamers were generally like burgeoning esports athletes or speedrunners. Speedrunning was obviously a massive part of Twitch's growth back in the, you know, sort of early to mid 2010s. Um, and so that was generally how it formed. People wanted to go see something and watch something done at an elite level that meant something to them. You know, a, a childhood game being speedrun or League of Legends professional play, stuff like that. And a lot of pros, uh, or at least some pros, if they're old enough, if they're boomer enough, uh, aka if they're over the age of 25, probably started on Justin or own TV. I don't think Ustream was a huge thing. That was more in the Guitar Hero community. Um, and that, and so that's really cool. You know, these people are are blazing a trail for everybody else. And everybody looks at that and goes, wow, like I, I could do that, you know. And I think that's part of it is that a lot of people tend to ignore the nuance that goes into being successful in, in these various crafts, you know, streaming mining for gold prospecting, I guess you call it music, acting, whatever. They simply see it on a surface level and think, well, I could do that, you know, and, and this guy's making money doing that. So, I mean, I should try it. You know, I should try my luck. I could do that. Like panning for gold. I can squat in a riverbed and shake a pan in some water. That's all it takes. Easy. And nobody's around to tell them no. And a, a group of people are like, yeah, we should all try and do that. That sounds fun. Same thing with streaming. Like I play video games when I get home from work every night. All you're telling me, all I need to do is like put a face cam on and, and, press start streaming and I'm good to go. I'm going to try it. And that was evidenced in sort of the mid 2010s where streaming blew up and became this massively, massively emergent industry that had, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars flowing through it before. And Amazon bought Twitch and I believe it was 2014. So Amazon was kind of ahead of the curve on that one. And we'll get into big money and their role in this later. But if you look at the numbers, uh, you know, Twitch in 2019, pre-pandemic, sort of beginning of 2020, had about 2.2 million active streamers, meaning people who had streamed at least once in the last year. They had about 20,000 partners and a couple hundred thousand affiliates, of which I was one. And now, probably in large part due to the pandemic, we have uh, Commander Root just scrubbed some of Twitch's numbers, and the estimates are over 7 million active streamers in the last year, uh, 70-ish thousand partners and I think over a million or two million affiliates. And so that means that basically all these numbers have over tripled in the last two years. And we'll get into some of the consequences of that later because there is a section of, of Twitch that sort of has seen its own um, its own gold rush and, and is grappling with that as a community. It's kind of interesting. We get into the situation where people start thinking that they can do it because on the surface, it looks really easy. Oh man, like acting. All I got to do is pretend to be somebody else. I can do that. You know, I've lied before. Oh, it's music. Like, oh, I can sit at a piano and press buttons in the right order. I mean, I play video games. How hard could it be? And I think for some of the more entrenched stuff like acting and, and music, I think generally people have a little bit more um, reverence for lack of a better word for it, like they know that it takes a lot of skill because probably some of them have tried it themselves and been like, wow, yeah, this is okay. Um, but streaming as an emergent industry didn't really have that. People were just like, holy moly, I could do this. You know, I could play video games and talk. I do that all the time. You know, I yell at my kids over Call of Duty, like easy. You know, that's my streaming career in a nutshell. And I think what most people found was that it was a little bit harder than that. I joined up in that in that wave as well. And while I had a lot of people in my life who sometimes over the top w in, in an over the top way would very much tell me that it was not something I was going to just like a get rich quick scheme that I was going to get miracle money from. 
was a good sentence. I was struggling there. Sorry. Um, while I had a lot of people to tell me that, I still wanted to do it. And I, this is what carries me through today is that I do want to make a living playing video games and entertaining people and hopefully adding a little bit of value to their lives in whatever small way I can. Um, and so, you know, people can deal with this in different ways. And let's not get ahead of ourselves here. I'll talk about that uh, when I talk about the microcosm that's sort of happened in the last two years with streaming. Um, for now, let's move on to phase three. And that's sort of when big money gets involved. And big money sort of whenever it takes about five years you know and it takes a certain amount of time of something being reliably lucrative for big money to like shake themselves away and could be like oh and rather than thinking like oh we could do that they just think oh i could buy that i could buy my way into that and that's you know amazon buying twitch big esports orgs signing talent you know anything like that is is very much like big money and for the people who have been on stream or been streaming, been on Twitch for a long time and have been successful since the beginning, I hold no grudges with those people getting any kind of stability. I do think that there is a certain amount of stability that sort of make it becomes antithetical to streaming because streaming and content creation in general, especially with as popular it is now as it is now, you need to be innovating and you need to be constantly showing people like what's new and exciting about you and what you can bring to the table that might be unique to you or very hard to find. Um, and I think when you have too much stability, we've seen a lot of creators, especially the super massive ones fall on, you know, what I would call pretty derivative content, you know, react content, watching YouTube on stream, doing just chatting streams while your chat really just banters with itself. And then you occasionally chime in stuff like that. Or, and, and again, you know, I'm completely out of touch. Maybe I'm too ideal. I'm definitely too idealistic about content creation, but it does kind of suck to see that some, a notable counter example of this would be somebody like Ludwig who you know, does things like puts on massive events and tries to get big sponsors in and, and tries to create things that are unique and interesting and novel. And I think that's really cool because he has an, a massive exclusivity contract with YouTube. And so he is, he's taking that opportunity that he has with the money that he's made and the money that he's guaranteed to make. And he's trying to create something new and interesting. And I think that's great. Um, and I wish more creators would do that. Um, and I think smaller creators should look at that and and take the lesson and the spirit of what he's doing rather than obviously trying to run their own multi-million dollar chess boxing event or something they should look at that and be like okay cool how do i take that approach and apply it to my own trade how do i how do i apply my own trade and and hone my craft to be someone who's innovative like that and somebody with that innovative spirit who's trying to do something different and new um, i think too many people get bogged down in trying to emulate what's already successful which is kind of the whole foundation of the gold rush principle people see something successful and they do it and that's why in sort of like the you know the mid 20 mid to late 20 uh, 2010s you sort of had the streamer starter pack memes of like did you get your gamer chair do you have your rgb computer case do you have your ring light do you have the neon glow around your room because there was a certain look that top streamers were doing that everybody else was going for do you have your fancy overlay do you have this that and the other do you have your stream deck all this stuff stuff that you don't really need as a content creator and that shouldn't be your first thing it reminds me of when and i think i told the story on stream somewhat recently but i used to play clarinet and i got into university for playing it it ended up not being not working out for me not what i wanted long term but on clarinet it's very simple you have a couple pieces that you fit together to form the instrument and then you have a reed that makes sound you put it on the mouthpiece and to affix it to the mouthpiece you have this little piece of metal called a ligature that you screw on and it tightens it around it and it keeps the reed there so it doesn't blast all over the place while you're trying to make noise and the ligature i got i i bought myself a really expensive one because i was like ah yeah like this is what's going to put me over the top this is what's going to make my sound sound good and i went to my teacher and i was like check it out check out my ligature you know it's so good like it's going to make me sound so much better and he was like not really i mean that like the ligature really only accounts for 
you know, maybe about 2% of your tone. You still have 98% that comes from you and the quality of instrument you play. And that to me is very indicative of the like, you have the streamer uniform of, you know, your big headphones, your gamer chair, your RGB computer, all that stuff, your Zelda paraphernalia in the background, your Zelda tattoo. Um, but that is like the guy at a golf course who has incredibly expensive clubs and has like deck to the nines and clothes and then shanks his first shot into the forest if you don't know how to golf all the equipment in the world is not going to help you if you don't know how to stream all this all the style that you can bring to your stream is not going to help you if you don't have anything going for you um and i think that might be where people get bogged down a little bit so let's get back on track so big money etc cetera, etc cetera. so let's talk about the microcosm of the gold rush um i guess principle that sort of happened another iteration of it and this happens sort of even within streaming streaming is big enough now that it can have like micro gold rushes happen inside of itself which is always an interesting point for a community to get to and if you have gold rushes inside of yourself talk to a doctor uh but cozy streaming is the big one i'll come right out and just just lay it on the table cozy streaming is an interesting thing to me um because it's so antithetical to the way that i approach streaming it's not antithetical it's so different from the way that i approach streaming i shouldn't say antithetical it's the wrong word um because so cozy let's define cozy and what cozy seems to be as nebulous as it is and we'll get into that that issue later but cozy streamers tend to focus on games that are more like life sim or farming sim you know kind of like well sims or stardew valley you know even minecraft sometimes uh games like that right chill games that you can sort of just vibe out to and and relax and the idea is you know that you get these games and it is sort of an antidote to like the sweat lord you know toxic fest that is usually any esports streamer's stream or anything like that or competitive communities can get pretty toxic the idea is you just want somewhere to go at the end of a long day you get home you're tired you slip into your work clothes grab some nice comfort food sit at your computer and you get to hang out with people who don't who don't care if they're the best and the object of the game isn't to be the best whatever that means you know and so that's you can absolutely see the appeal of this and it's been going on forever there's and a lot of the time these streamers are more variety streamers they'll usually stick to like one or two main games but they'll they usually branch out more into variety from what i've seen um and what ends up happening is that as a variety streamer you end up having to be more creative to keep your content fresh and exciting and fun so for example one idea that i i took from somebody mary lynn my girlfriend watches uh a streamer i forget her name I always do. She's a Sim streamer. I apologize. And uh, what she does is she plays Sims a lot and she has events every so often. I'm not sure if it's once a week, but there's a day where she'll have an event where people submit their their Sims worlds basically to her. She imports them and they walk through them and she like comments on the decorations. And it's it's very much a celebration of like being a Sims player and, and being part of the Sims community. And I thought that was such a cool idea. And I immediately was able to be like, yeah, that's a great thing for trophy hunting because everybody wants to, you know, be excited about their newest accomplishment or their shiniest trophy or whatever. And this gives, and so when I made the channel points reward on my channel for flexing your, your trophies, that was very much in the image of celebrating your community and, and helping people stay excited and giving people a place to be excited because obviously you know if you walk into a funeral and you're like who wants to talk about my newest platinum you know there's a time and a place and if, even if you're in a trophy hunting stream if all you do is bang on about your own trophies and how great you are it, it comes across pretty annoyingly so what i've done is the idea is that i'm giving people an outlet and i'm inviting them to do this and so when they redeem that reward and they spend those sparksy dollars we can all get into that mode of like yeah let's celebrate somebody's trophy experience and that's really fun i think it's great um and that's an idea again i completely you can call it stole i would say adapted because it's legally distinct from stealing but i took the idea from another streamer and 
what I've found through, and Mary Lynn's been a big help for this because she watches a lot of variety streamers, is that these these folks are usually very, very creative with how they present their content. And so cozy streaming kind of blew up around the pandemic. Um, you know, there's probably a multitude of reasons, more people streaming, uh, more people, you know, getting into streaming and finding this avenue, this cozy tag, this tag on Twitch that frees you from maybe the intimidation of having to be good or at a game, you know, quote unquote good or high skill, whatever you want to call it, being a big sweat lord. Um, it frees you from that obligation. You can you can sort of be like, oh man, I just like vibing with Stardew. Maybe I'll start a stream that way. So it is possible. I can do this. But again, you get the same issue where I think a lot of people who immediately jumped into this and were like, this is my career now, kind of missed the nuance of what made a lot of the established variety slash cozy streamers successful. And that was their ability to bring something distinct to the table. And so recently we had a bit of a spat on streamer Twitter. I was not involved in it, but I, I see... A lot of these things, even though I don't necessarily want to, um, but I don't look away. So my own fault, really. But uh, there were a couple of, of co- self-identified cozy streamers who were saying that this other group of self-identified cozy streamers wasn't cozy and weren't using the word right and blah, 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 blah. Where have we heard that before? And it's ironic that the community that builds itself around being a very inclusive and open and welcoming, warm community all of a sudden starts gatekeeping its own members. And this could be a number of different reasons. I think hearkening back to my previous episode about gatekeeping, which is a couple weeks ago at this point, um, they have an idea of what cozy is and somebody else has a different idea of what cozy is, but they're both using the same word. And so one of them takes exception to that. Whether that whether or not that's justified, at least from what I could see, it wasn't really justified. You know, whenever somebody says, oh, these people are just using the cozy tag to harbor like extremists or something. I always like flashback to my experience with that, where somebody said that because I wasn't just like straight bashing everybody who didn't think like them, that I must support fascists and racists and stuff. And it's like, that's not the case. So I always take that stuff with a grain of salt. Um, I don't, I I can't imagine anybody's rune factory stream turning into some sort of like neo-Nazi event, but I mean, it could happen, but I highly, highly doubt it. Um, This is the internet. So nothing's completely out of the question, but I think probabilistically that was not what was going on. I think, you know, you could probably even define Skyrim as a cozy game in the right settings because you're just walking around. It's very easy. It's very comfortable. Knock the difficulty down to zero. I mean, sure, you're fighting dragons and yelling at people and killing zombies. But at the end of the day, like you can build a house, you can raise a family, you can have chickens, you can you can dungeon crawl like passively if you really wanted to. And the combat kind of just takes like a backseat. And that's the trouble, I think, is that because cozy is such a nebulous thing in it and it derives its definition from more of a feeling that's going to be different from person to person, you're going to get this gatekeeping. And especially another factor is that this gold rush of cozy streamers, you know, given that there's been an influx of 5 million people over the pandemic, this influx means that people now just being a cozy streamer is not a novelty anymore. It's not something that can draw people to your stream. When streaming started, just being a streamer might have been enough to be like, whoa, that's interesting. Like, oh, somebody's playing my favorite game. Somebody's speedrunning Super Mario 64. Like, I got to watch that, you know? That's interesting. But now there's hundreds of people running it. And there's there's thousands of people playing it. So how do you find somebody there, right, as a, as a viewer? And how do you stand out as a streamer? So what some people will do is they will gatekeep and say, hey, listen, you know, like this, these people aren't actually, because in their mind, say there's 10 10 stardew valley streamers and they knock off five of them just by saying like oh they're not legit stardew valley streamers then all of a sudden it's like well now it's much easier for me to stand out because there's five instead of ten you know that kind of idea obviously it's not that one-to-one but i think that might be the mechanism the other thing is that these people have an inability to look inside themselves 
and figure out what they could be doing to improve their own content, which I think is always what you want to look for. Um, and I think there's also, you know, this is sort of a personal, I mean, this has all been kind of like a personal take on things, but I think you get into situations where when you are a variety streamer, it becomes increasingly, your personality becomes increasingly important. We've seen streamers take off having garbage personalities, and usually that's a result of them being very good at another game. So they get away with being toxic, just like a lot of professional athletes can get away with physical assault because they're professional athletes and, oh, we wouldn't want to harm their careers. Lull. Um, but when you get into situations where your variety streaming or cozy streaming, your personality, I think, becomes like an, an order of magnitude more important to the product because cozy is, is very much like a vibe and your personality contributes very heavily to that vibe. I don't think XQC could ever be considered a cozy streamer because all he does is kind of yell at people and and not know how to speak either French or English despite being ostensibly bilingual. But when you get into advertising your personality, it kind of boils down to to what I was talking about in my gatekeeping episode about you're trying to distill what is an incredibly complex part of you into very digestible, very marketable phrases or words. Cozy streamer, always positive streamer, streamer who builds up women. We recently had somebody who is purportedly, you know, as if you listen to her view, is very much into building up women and that's what she loves to do in the scene. She had some DMs leaked somewhat recently where it turns out she was actually shit-talking a lot of the female streamers she was pretending to, uh, or she was purportedly building up. And it kind of reminded me of the Ned from Try Guys thing, where his entire brand online was essentially like, hey guys, my wife's great and I love my wife and I respect my wife a lot. He was kind of like the anti-Don Rickles, if any boomers are listening. Um, very much like the anti-ball and chain joke kind of kind of guy. He was like, I love my wife, she's great, blah, blah, blah. And then he cheated on her and he got caught cheating on her. So you made your entire personality this one thing and you aren't that, it turns out. So where am I left as a viewer, you know? You make your entire personality or a large chunk of your personality banging on social media about how you want to build up women in the streaming community. And that's a great goal. But the actions always you know sort of supersede the words it's easy for me to get on twitter and be like man i really want to further this cause it's harder to actually do it and find a constructive way to do it but it is much more effective to do it rather than just talk about it and so when people get too tied into these tags the cozy tags and they start gatekeeping because it's not exactly like somebody else is doing it differently and it's not what they think cozy is or whatever or you're you're always positive you know we've talked about as a society we've talked about not promoting unrealistic body standards for women and men. How about unrealistic mental health standards? Like you go into an always positive stream and you're not allowed to talk about anything sad or anything that isn't just glowing happy sunshine rainbows. And the implication is that if you are feeling sad, get over it or get out because there's no place for you in an always positive community. It kind of goes back, you know, if, if the example we talked about a couple weeks ago with the streamer who asked his a longtime viewer where she'd been and she responded honestly with that her mother had passed away, you are going to have those moments where as a streamer, you have to, you might want to just take a little pause and say, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. That is terrible. I really hope, you know, hope everything's okay. I hope they're in a better place now. And, you know, let's, let's try and let's try and add a smile to the day or something, you know, and then and then you get on with your show because they're probably coming there because you offer some form of comfort to them. Um, and so when you try and define yourself as like, ah, positive vibes only, like it's such an easy marketing ploy that cannot be held up in reality. 
You know, it's you can't always be positive and you shouldn't be telling people that always positivity is the best because it's not. Um, you need to be sad sometimes. You need to have other emotions to appreciate the positive. You need to have lows to appreciate the highs. You know, this is my opinion anyway. Um, and so I think that's kind of the danger of of trying to, you know, I'm a cozy, positive vibe streamer. Like, what does that actually mean in practice? You know, um, and I think this is where I think people get too caught up in tags and titles and labels and things like that. Um, obviously, identity is very important, especially online where you can cultivate an identity that maybe you couldn't have in real life. Um, but it's important to show that identity rather than just tell about it all the time. You know, you want to talk about building female streamers up and stuff, you know, start start awareness campaigns, like actually make videos building up streamers, you know, female streamers and stuff like that. Don't just say you're doing it. And don't just go on social media and be like, oh, I love this one. She's great. Actually make some content and, and, and do something, you know. <clears throat> if you want to be always positive, don't just say, oh, I'm positive vibes only. Actually be a driving force for positivity. The most effective people I've ever seen at being positive are the ones who never, ever say, oh, I'm always positive. They just are, you know. I mean, I talked about this guy a lot, but my my friend drew crew who's a guy i met during the fall guys days he's he's the epitome of this and i hold him up as a you know maybe i'm putting him on a pedestal too much contrary to my own advice but i think he is the best example that i've seen of somebody who doesn't feel the need to be banging on always about how positive he is he just is and you go to his stream and he makes you feel at home and it's great he's a super swell guy even if he's got stuff going on behind the scenes which i don't know um he, he always brings his best face forward and he handles people who are having bad days extremely well and he tries to get them back on their feet and help them out. But he doesn't make them feel weird about being like, oh, no, no, only positive vibes here, you know? Yeah, I asked you where you were, but you're only supposed to say good, you know? The classic example of that guy from the other week. It's tricky. And uh, so I talk about a lot of heavy stuff on this podcast and I wanted to make sure at some point I said, like, I'm not looking to be a downer here. I know that these are heavy topics and heavy topics generally don't exactly excite people. You're not thinking like, yes, I love contemplating the nature of existence and my place in the universe. Nobody really thinks like that so much. It might be a stimulating intellectual exercise, but nobody gets up and is like, ah, I can't wait to spend today doing that, questioning the horrors of the unknown. Um, but I think my point is, I'm not trying to like scare people or accuse anybody of doing anything. I'm, what I'm doing is pointing out things to be watchful for as both a streamer and as a viewer. I think it's important that we, you know, just because somebody does a good thing, does not mean that they are a good person. Just because somebody does a bad thing does not mean that they are a bad person. But I would say that what we should do is stop putting so much stock into social media and start thinking about people in what they actually do. You know, a lot of us streaming, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll follow my sword for this one. A lot of us streaming are not doing anything life-changing as much as we like to pretend we are. And yes, raising money for charity is fantastic. That is great. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But for the day-to-day, -day, most of us are just we're trying to make a living and we're trying to you know make people have a good time and we're trying to also have a good time it's not life or death and so you know accurately assigning importance to this stuff is important and i i don't like when people get so up on their streamer where somebody will have a bad thing so take this example of this person who was who was outed for not actually building up women that much or tearing down women in some cases you can take a few if you're a fan of her you can take a few approaches to this um and there's only one that I really would advise not to take. First one is you can completely cut yourself off from her and be like, well, she's not who I thought she was. See you later. The other one you can do is you can sort of keep it at arm's length and say like, hey, listen, like she's not a perfect person. None of us are perfect people. 
I hope she learns her lesson and, and maybe doesn't bang on about something that is, you know, some days she just completely riles against. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, maybe, maybe I see this person as more of a flawed, complex human being and less of as like a paragon of virtue and creativity. And then we continue enjoying the content from there. And then you can take the copium route, which is just to huff a ton of copium and just defend everything anybody does. Like when people started defending Kanye for saying that Nazis weren't so bad. When it's like, man, I mean, I mean, come on. I know that we've never known war. Like our generation really hasn't known war on a global scale the same way that previous generations had. But my God, it doesn't take that many brain cells to rub together to realize that that was a wholly negative experience that the world had and especially the Jewish people had. And it's sad that I have to say that. Um, and I don't expect anybody to spam like on my social media posts for observing that Kanye was wrong about Hitler. But the fans of those people who will be like, well, it's just his opinion, man. He's entitled to his opinion, man. It's like, yeah, but there's responsibilities with that, dude. I don't know. I had a conversation with Max. This is kind of getting off topic, but hey, it's my podcast. Shut up. I had a conversation with Max when I hung out with him last week. And I was sort of breaching the, breaching the topic of like rights are super important and you know we need to accurately define rights and all that stuff but i think that also people who are expecting to receive the rights also need to realize that with that power comes a lot of responsibility to quote a uncle ben and you know like my example was like second amendment you want to bear arms great but if you are also responsible for the arms that you're bearing so if somebody steals one of your guns and starts killing people because you were neglectful in it you know then you should probably face some repercussions for that because, and right to free speech just because you can say most of whatever you want and the government can't reprimand you for it doesn't mean you necessarily should everybody's entitled to an opinion i think is a pretty fair statement it's another sort of like maybe not a natural right but it's one that we've ascribed to most of the free speech of civilization because it kind of falls under free speech but you have to understand like i've i've railed against having a really terribly formed opinion before where you know you can be presented with all the counter arguments in the world that counteract your opinion and you just fold your arms and stomp your feet and go nope i'm still believing this like Kanye, this guy is clearly an anti-Semite and you should not be defending that in my opinion. Like you should racism being an opinion is such like a new way of saying like, yeah, I just, I just want to keep enjoying this guy's music without having to do any intellectual or moral legwork and think about the ethics of enjoying somebody who's just straight up racist. It's a tricky thing. And again, I'm not meaning to be a downer about this. This isn't something where I'm like, oh, the world is ending and everything's exploding. This is the collapse of Western. So we're all going to, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the more we're aware of this, I think the better we are as people and the more we can learn to coexist with each other and think about things critically and ethically and, and try to really, you know, internalize what our values are and then have that reflected in the way that we consume content and the way that we consume anything. Because we, in a lot of cases, we are a consumerist society in the West. And so obviously it's very hard to find ethical consumption under capitalism. You're going to need to find you're going to need to find compromises somewhere. But I think it's possible to do it in such a way that, you know, it doesn't make you morally bankrupt. And with that elegant parting statement, I'm going to end this episode before I ramble on too much more. I hope everybody enjoyed it again. Not trying to be a downer. I know that I talk about heavy stuff. And like I said, heavy stuff isn't exactly super fun and exciting. But I think it's interesting to talk about. And I love hearing everybody's opinion on this kind of stuff because it helps me form mine. I like to hear people's takes on things. I like to hear when people come up with examples for stuff that that might poke a hole in what I think so that I can adjust accordingly. Um, and I hope that if you enjoy the podcast, you'll let me know. Um, if you disagree with anything that I said, feel free to discuss it with me. I'm not going to flame you for having a different opinion. Um, I, I really enjoy discussing this stuff, and I hope that 
we can be a collective of people that likes to come together and share ideas with the goal of mutual enlightenment, not of converting anybody to anything. But anyways, I hope everybody has a great rest of their week. I'm very excited. We've got a special event coming up uh, next weekend, the 14th, I believe, Saturday, January the 14th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. I might as well announce it here. Uh, it is going to be the City Game Awards. I managed to set the show up a lot faster than I thought, so I've got this whole week to put the finishing touches on it and polish. Um, it probably won't be too long, maybe 15, 20 minutes, but I'm going to run it on stream, and I really hope to see everybody there. Twitch.tv slash SparkCity if you want to find me there. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at the Spark City. Feel free to tweet at me with your response to this episode. But thank you for listening. Thank you for taking time out of your day to, uh, to, to listen to me talk into a microphone in a closet for half an hour or however long it's been. I hope everybody has a great week ahead. Stay safe, everybody. As always, love you all very much. Take it easy.